All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, super blessed that you guys would take the time to, to listen to this. And uh, we're going to be just going right into this. So I've been going over uh, keys to answered prayers. Again, I hope that this has been helping you. If you haven't had a chance, you can turn into the first two podcasts. I'm really just trying to help build people's faith to believe big things from God to see the God of the Bible that, that, hey, you don't have to live going through life just having to deal with every little thing that's thrown at you, and that's just the card you're dealt, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's just the way life is. That's not what the Bible teaches. And then I'm actually just believing and praying that people would, would get into the Word of God and see these promises and start seeing, like, man, there's things that I can do. I can engage in my faith. I can... Uh, latch a hold of what God is telling me in these scriptures and see supernatural things taking place in my life. Uh, and I'm so excited for that. But if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John 16, 23 through 24. John 16, 23 through 24. This is, again, keys to answered prayer. And this is my opinion, what we're going to talk about tonight, the most important thing uh, that a believer needs to know. If, if we were to teach a class and, and somebody was to get saved and say, okay, what do I need to know? I don't know anything about the Bible. I went to this church, I went to this revival meeting, got saved, know absolutely nothing. In my opinion, this is like level one, step one, the first thing that every believer needs to know about them, about what they've been given, and about the reality of who they are in the spirit and, and what has actually taken place when they got saved, you know, that you didn't just secure a place in heaven. That is true. You did. That's a part of it. But there's so much more to it than just securing a place in heaven and getting fire insurance and not going to hell. That's a huge part of it. That's a great part of it. But there's so much more. And people don't realize that. And we're going to talk about some of that tonight. But let's look at John 16, 23 through 24. Again, as we talk about all these things, I want you to try to connect the dots and, and, and engage everything that we're saying through the lens of how is this a key to start seeing things shift in my life? How is this a key for me to pray and, and seeing my prayers answered? John 16, 23. Jesus said, at that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. So again, he is actually talking about, you know, this is him in the flesh speaking. And he was going to go, go to the cross, be buried, resurrected, ascend into heaven. And so he's telling them at that time, when I go and I'm in heaven and I'm sitting on the throne and I send the Holy Spirit to you, you will not ask me for anything, but you'll go to the Father directly. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant you your requests because you use my name. You haven't done this before. But ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. John 16, 23, 24. So Jesus said we could ask using his name. And if we did that, we would actually receive the things that we uh, that we're asking for. What did Jesus mean when he said that? You know, a lot of Christians pray and they'll tag their prayers with in the name of Jesus. Bless this food in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for this day. And we just 
blah, blah, blah. We, we say our prayer, prayers and we say, in the name of Jesus. Almost every believer does that, but we don't actually understand the significance of what Jesus was saying when he said that. Uh, I'm super excited to get into this and, and help you understand this. So here's the question, and I got Tanner with me here. I don't know if I already mentioned that. No, no I didn't. No. This is like our, I don't know, 99th take at the podcast. It's midnight, and so, man, we're doing our best, but, <laughs> but God is amazing. So we're just going to do this because the Word of God is powerful, and it's going to change lives. But Tanner is with me tonight, and, man, you feel free. God has put so much on your heart. You feel free to speak on anything when, when the spirit just lights that little fire up. You just speak on, speak on into that microphone. Fire's not little, John. The fire's that's right. That was <laughs> a test. You passed. you passed. Awesome. Amen. Give me a real test next time. <laughs> Give him a real test. Okay. Yeah, so when Jesus said, ask using my name, you do that, you will receive. What you asked for. So, again, this sounds like a weird term, but I want to kind of just quickly go over this to help unlock something in your life. So Christ has given us, every believer has, and I'll, the only term that I can compare it to that is relevant to something that exists in our actual world that we can compare it to is the power of attorney. So that definition is this for power of attorney. The authority to act for another person and specified are all legal or financial matters. Basically, this is what I'm saying here, and I'm going to show, show this to you through numerous scriptures, is that Christ has actually given us the authority to act on his behalf. Amen. Not only act on his behalf, Jesus has given us the authority to, in this case, what we just read, pray on his behalf. Jesus has given us the authority to to work miracles on his behalf. Jesus has given us the authority to make decisions on his behalf. Jesus has actually given us the same authority that he has. That blows my mind to think that I carry the same power. I carry, uh, God has given me and elevated me to a place where I can operate at the same level as almighty God. Man, there's so many people, I can already tell you, they're going to listen to this and be like, eh, that's wrong. That's crazy. How could you possibly say that? That's absolutely ludicrous. But it's true. And this is so important. And it goes so much deeper. We're going to explain some of this. But it goes so much deeper than just that. But what has actually taken place in the spirit. But again, I want to repeat this. Christ has given us authority to act on his behalf. How is this a key to answer prayer? Again, my, the podcast is a keys to having your prayers answered. How is this a key to answer prayer? What Jesus said is we prayed using his name, then we would receive what we asked for. So this is what Jesus was saying. When you pray and you use my name, you're not praying as John. You're not praying as Tanner. You're not praying as Billy Bob Thornton. You are literally praying when you pray, God is gauging the words coming out of your mouth as if it was Jesus speaking those words out of his mouth. That's so crazy. God gave Jesus what he asked for. 
Jesus took some bread and some fish and lifted it up. And it says he gave thanks for it. He prayed over it and God multiplied it and fed thousands of people. That's the same supernatural access and power that we have in our prayer because we're not praying on our behalf. Again, here's the thing is so many believers automatically disqualify themselves. And this is what Satan tries to do. Why would God answer my prayers? I'm an idiot. I've, you don't know my past, man. I mean, I don't even know. You know, I just got saved. I don't know the Bible. I haven't read through the whole Bible. Why? It's so hard for us to believe that God would actually answer our prayers. And God doesn't care about the things that we're dealing with and that we're going through. But again, it's not about us. Jesus said, when you pray using my name, you are representing me. And so God literally gauges us through the filter of Jesus. And he looks down and he's like, I hear the words coming out. But it, the, the, what I'm, and he gauges it as if Christ himself were saying the words. And so that's how Jesus guaranteed. He said, if you do that, then you will actually receive the things that you ask for in prayer. I don't think a lot of Christians, would you agree, Tanner, understand when we say in Jesus' name that that's the reality that's taking place there? I would say that something that pastors have done a very bad job at is communicating where that authority lies. Amen. You know, that there is, Jesus is our conduit for that authority to flow through, you know, to God. And so I think that a lot of times in church, we get stuck on the fact that, and you ask anybody, like you said earlier, we live in East Texas, The we're in the Bible Belt. So almost anybody you ask here in this city, man, do you know who Jesus is? Yeah, I know who Jesus is. Do you, you know, and it's like today we ask, we ask a guy, do you believe that God can heal you? Yeah, I could believe God could heal me, but yeah, I believe that God can restore pop, restore wealth into my family, but yeah, I believe God's gonna that God could provide a financial breakthrough in my life, but and so often what we don't realize is that God is not somebody sitting up there in heaven with a little faucet that's going, whoop, I'm gonna pour my blessings out now. God literally, the scripture says that as Christ is, so are we. And so what that means is that if 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 it's within the parameters of God's will, which if you're abiding in the law of God, it, of everything that's inside of the Bible, and you ask for something, it will be done. Amen. And so often what we've miscommunicated is that, that, that we don't possess the authority to actually, it, like John said, it's like a police officer. If a police officer taps on your window and he's got his badge on, you automatically know that he represents the, the, the East Texas Sheriff's Department or whatever it is. And so out of respect, you roll your window down and you comply. Amen. And the devil, li listen here, the Holy Spirit is your badge that you can whip out and show the devil. And there is no way in Jesus' name that sickness will be inside of my family, that poverty will reign within my, my, my financial accounts. And there is absolutely no way and in, in, on God's green earth that Satan is going to have a hold of any part of my life. And we have done such a mediocre, if not horrible job as Christians to communicate to one another the authority that we actually have through Jesus. Amen. Man, I want to just to bounce right off of that. Again, we have to understand we represent Christ on this earth. I'm going to throw like three scriptures out. You can write them down. And I'm just going to rapid fire them to you and break them down. First one, Tanner mentioned it. First John 4, 17 says this. 
Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Not in the world to come. The Bible doesn't say one day you'll be like Jesus when you get to heaven. Man, you're just a sinner saved by grace, and you're just going to be a sinner till the day that you die. That's not what the Bible says. As Jesus is, let me say it, let me put, put it to you like this, actually. How is Jesus right now? As Jesus is right now, as is the way you are right now. Jesus is not the same Jesus that was hanging on the cross. Jesus is right now sitting on the throne in heaven. Is the king above kings, the name above every name, the, the ruler of heaven and earth over the entire universe? That's how Jesus is right now. As Jesus, the state that Jesus is in right now is who we are, is what we are here right now in this world. As he is, so are we in this world, not in the world to come. So we are back. Literally, we get to live on this earth from a place of sitting, and we're going to get to the scripture later, but sitting, being seated from the throne of God. For people to say that we cannot have dominion, that we cannot uh, have success and victory and prosper in this life and have the upper hand and the advantage and that we're just supposed to cower down and submit to the devil like he's the big bad the big bad wolf is absolutely ridiculous as Christ is so are we we represent Christ I want to interject something I want to ask a question you know if you're listening to this podcast you know if you're a pastor or you're a brand new Christian and you're taking notes fervently I want to ask you this question go back to what John said picture Jesus where he's at now do you think that Jesus gets down on his knees and becomes this weak being and begs God for mercy from cancer. God, please, I don't know if it's within your will. Jesus literally knows the will of God. Amen. As we know the will of God, and like I said earlier, and through all of my excitement and through all of the, the fire that burns within me, I have a genuine passion to help you understand, no, we're not God. That's not what either one of us are saying. We are not equivalent to God. We are not the one, you know, that for, that can forgive sins. We are not the one that heals. He is the one who does that those things through us. Amen. But I want to I want to make one thing very clear. Jesus is not some weak being that just cowers down to Satan. And we've been taught so many times in life. You you think about the last time you were sick. And you, you texted your pastor, which is another whole sermon. You know, you run to your pastor for everything. Uh, but you, you run to your pastor and you tell him, man, I, I, I'm sick. I think it may be cancer. Your pastor tells you, well, man, you know, we're just going to play God's will over your life. And, and can I tell you, do you think that Jesus, that's his prayer? Sitting at the right hand of the Father, right next to the Father in the same room. Do you think that he has to wonder what the will of God is? No. Why? Because he's lived and un, or he, he is in constant harmony with God's spirit. And I can tell you for a fact that the next time a pastor comes to you and said, let's just pray God's will. No, no, no. That's not what I asked you. I said, I want you to join me 
in agreement that we're going to take back dominion over this sickness. We're going to speak directly to the problem at root. We're not going to go tell our, you know, our daddy, oh, the, uh, the Satan's bullying me again. We're going to speak directly to the devil and say, listen, Satan, no longer do you have any hold over my body. There is no stronghold and it, uh, there is no irreversible sickness that God's not going to cure. And this is keeping me from moving forward with my mission. And so in Jesus name, we speak death and, and, and we bind, crush, smash, and destroy all the evil devices that you're intending to put on my life. And I think that it's so much more rewarding. And not only is it rewarding, but it's so much more within the will of God for you to conduct yourself that way than to just, God, I, I, please have mercy on me. I, I've got this sickness. Uh, I, I don't know if it's your will to cure it or not. But and, and can I tell you, God literally said in, in Scripture, it says, that God will take sickness amount out from among you. Amen. You'll be able to tread on or handle snakes and not be harmed. Did it say, did it say, you know, you might not be harmed oh. or if it's God's will, you won't be harmed. No, it said that it, you will not be harmed. It says nothing will injure you. Luke 10, 19. Amen. That's amazing. You know, Psalms 91 gives us promises that God would no plague would come against our house. You know, Deuteronomy 28, that, that all sickness and disease, that he would not put the sickness, the disease that was on the Egyptians or any others not listed in the book of the law. I mean, that God has literally removed that obstacle completely from us. Uh, man, that was good stuff, bro. That was awesome. But, you know, even looking at this. Again, an understanding that we represent Christ. Christ has given us this authority. It makes it makes so much sense now that like Luke 10, 19, we just referenced this. Jesus said, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Another scripture actually says these signs will follow those who believe. And it goes on to list several different signs. And one of those signs is you will cast out demons. Amen. Jesus said, why? Why is that? Why would a demon listen to me? Why would, how, how am I going to operate and, and power? What, the, the enemy just seems so much more powerful than I am in the flesh. And we, we think stupid thoughts like that. But again, it's because it's not us. It's not us. It's not our power. The enemy isn't looking at you, engaging you by your power. We are operating by Christ's authority, by Christ's power. It's not our power. It's by Christ's power. And all that authority means is that we have actually been given access to stand and display and, and, and release and act on not our power, but on God's power. And so what Jesus says when you operate in authority over the devil, the devil will do what you say, not because of you, because of me. You're not speaking to him in the name of John. You're speaking to him in the name of Jesus. And at the name Amen. of Jesus, every knee will bow. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, it just makes so much sense. When you read stuff like this, Matthew 18, 18, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. How does that make sense? I What, what I allow, God's going to allow. What I don't allow, God's not going to allow. How does that make sense? Because it's not me. We're operating in Christ's authority. So when you operate in Christ's authority, you are literally operating 
as Jesus, as God. And again, that sounds crazy. That sounds like sacrilegious. But again, it's all in the parameters of the scripture. It's not like that I'm God and I get to choose who lives and who dies and and crazy stuff like that. It's all according to the word of God. But when we operate in the authority of Christ, that's what Jesus was saying. You will walk in such a level of power and authority that you can forbid. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Why? Because as Christ is, so are we on this earth. Amen. That's amazing. Uh, I want to move forward to this. So that's a fundamental thing. How do I get answers to prayers? A key to answer prayer, understanding authority. Understanding authority. You know, so many times, and I know I think we've probably even covered this on the other two podcasts, but so many times we're just talking about the authority of the devil. Things come against us in our life and we sit back and we're like waiting for God to do something. We sit back and we're like, Lord, handle this. Mm-hmm. Or how many, how many of you know, and I've been guilty of this. When we pray for somebody that's been sick, I've been having to actually like purposely not do this. But so many people will lay hands on somebody that's sick and say, Father, they'll start out by saying, Lord, right now, I just cursed it. Why are we talking to God? Why are we like, God, right now, like, we don't need to talk to God. We need to talk to that sickness and speak to that demon and speak to that thing in the authority of Christ and rebuke it. And I know that that seems like something that's not that significant, but it is because it's so important that we grasp a hold of this. We are not to sit back and wait for God to just do everything. Y'all will have to forgive that. Y'all have to forgive. I, We're I, not re-recording this podcast. There we go. Yep. We're still going. We are not to sit back and wait for God to do everything. We have been given the, we've been hired. Think of it like this. We've been hired to do the job. We've been hired to do the specific task. We've been given that authority to operate within these parameters. And we're sitting back like, God, you know, why is this happening in my life? Why are all these things going wrong? Why, why, God heal me from this sickness. Lord, we'll, we'll lay hands on somebody and say, God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would heal them. He's like, what are you talking about that I would heal them? I, I, God is saying, I did everything that I'm going to do. Isn't that crazy to think? What, what do you mean you did everything that you're going to do? I came and I sent my son in the form of a human being. He died. He went to the cross. He crushed the devil's head. To literally disarm Satan, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2. And then he came and he he rose again. And when he rose, he, he we rose with him. And we're going to cover that. And he says that he ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit and now has given us his authority. We're sitting here saying, God, do something. And God's saying, actually, I did. I gave you authority to do something. Do something. Amen. It's awesome. You got anything for that, man? You know, when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, my mom and my dad took me to the Great Wolf Lodge. Uh, Great Wolf Lodge is an amazing resort and everything, and it's it, there's just so much stuff to do there. There's a big water park indoors. Well, when I had went, my parents had paid for what's called an all-inclusive pass. 
and I'm, I promise you I'm going somewhere spiritual with this. Uh, I had paid for what's called, an, they had paid for what's called an all-inclusive pass. And so what that means is you have access to everything that's there. But I didn't know that as a kid. I was just excited about the waterfalls and the water slides and, and the little petting zoo that's in there. I didn't even realize that there was a whole nother quest on the side that you could do, that there was a, there was a club, a youth club that you could go to and hang out with other people. And there was some organized events. And so Tanner, where are you going with this? So, so, so often what we do as Christians is we do this right here. We, we, un, everybody understands that, you know, we, we now have the freedom to, you know, walk in grace. We now have the freedom to be saved and know that we're going to heaven. And it's we, ha- we, we are guaranteed that we're going to have a, not an easy life, but a meaningful and purposeful life. Those are three things that we know as Christians that are going to happen. But so often what Satan wants you to do is Satan wants you to hide those extra things that God has put you on this earth to actually exercise. Will they send you to hell? No, I don't believe that. But what I do believe is that it could keep you from instilling and imparting something onto someone else and can keep them for achieving everything God wants them to achieve. Amen. And it may even hinder someone's salvation. And I don't say that as, you know, we're in complete control. I I say that as in, if we're not willing to do what God wants to do through us, God is going to find someone that is. And I don't want to be that person that's not aware of the awesome things that God's got for us, like authority that we can exercise. I don't want to be the little kid that just plays in the water park my whole life. I want to play in the water park. I want to go on the Harry Potter adventures. I want to do everything in the world that God has given to me. Amen. I want to raise the dead. I want to lay my hands on somebody and they be in, they, the Holy Spirit be imparted into them right. and my spirit be imparted into them as Paul was to Timothy. I, I, I'm telling you, if you would just understand the amazing things that Jesus has for you, it, it's not this whole thing where Jesus is 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 walking side by you know behind you or in front of you. You can literally walk hand in hand with the Son of God. The same things that He did, it came out of His own mouth. You will do greater things than I did. Amen. That that doesn't mean that if you don't choose to accept and acknowledge these things, that you're going to hell. That's not the message that I'm preaching, and that's not the message that John is preaching. But who wants to live a life? And at the end of their life, get to heaven and God say, you know, you lived a great life and it was awesome, but I had so much more for you, but you didn't, you didn't take heed of it. It's like going, like you said, Christianity right now and and how it's people are being raised up in it is like literally having, going to the Great Wolf Lodge and just like staying in your room the whole time. Right. Like you have all this, you go to the water park, the arcade, the, I mean, you could go nuts and do all these things. And you're like, oh, well, you know, you think that you're like trapped in this room and you're just sitting inside of the little hotel room with staring out the window when you have access to all these other things. And as Tanner said, it won't send you to hell. I mean, it's not a heaven or hell thing, but I'm going to tell you, it will so, it will restrict your life. I mean, it, 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 it won't send you to hell, but I will tell you this. It will restrict the reward that you receive in heaven. Not knowing, not work, operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not doing the things that Christ has put us as a church and you as an individual on this earth to do, which will only be locked when you are baptized with the fire of the Holy Spirit. I mean, literally will hinder you. You may get into heaven 
but you could have had such a great reward in heaven, which is a whole nother topic to go into in scripture by operating in the fullness of what God has for you. Here's another fundamental thing just to keep moving forward with this. Uh, again, keys to answer prayer. This is kind of a side note, but again, I feel like it's so foundational because I don't know, maybe somebody listening right now, you just got saved and you're trying to know uh, what there is to know and figure this all out. This is something so important for you to hear that this happens at the moment of salvation. This is something so important for every believer that... Uh, any believer, whether you just got saved or you've been saved forever, people don't understand this. And this is so important. This is not only a key to answer prayer, because it is, if you look at it through that lens. <clears throat> excuse me. This is also, I mean, just a key that you have got to understand about who you are and what has happened now in the spirit, the moment that you got saved. And it's this right here. If you want to write this down, I want you to write this on paper. God sees you like he sees Jesus. God sees you like he sees Jesus. I'm going to read to you real quick. Romans 8, 15 through 17. It says this, Romans 8. It says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Uh, and since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of the glory of God. But if we share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. There's two things that I want to pull out of this real quick. First, uh, I'll, I'll save you a whole long story, but... The Rome, this was written to Roman people. In the Roman culture, adoption was very different than how we see adoption. You would actually have grown men adopting other grown men. So like I'm 24 years old. Tanner, how old are you? 22. 22. In that culture, you could have literally had a 24-year-old adopting a 22-year-old man. Like that sounds ridiculous. But this was how adoption worked. Okay. If, if I was a person that was great influence, that had money, that had wealth, that had political power. And Tanner was a very poor man, but we had a good relationship. I could legally adopt him. And when I legally adopt him and, and his kids, his wife, everything, he would automatically assume the same political power, the same social influence, the same everything. He would automatically be risen to the same level that I was at as me being his adopted, you know, quote unquote father. And so when Paul wrote that to the Romans, that you have been adopted, and that literally you are no longer slaves, but we are, we've received a spirit of adoption where now we call him Abba Father. His spirit joins with our spirit to confirm that we're God's children. They understood, I have the same birth rights. I have the same rights as Jesus does. I mean, that was a revolutionizing thought for them. They understood what he was saying when he said that, that we just read that and we overlook that. But here's the thing, too, that, that I want you to see this. My statement was this. God sees you like he sees Jesus. So in Romans 8, it, verse 16, Paul says this, his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. Do you know the other place in Scripture 
Tanner, I know you know this because I've preached this, and you probably knew this before that. But the other place in Scripture where this same language is used is the Scripture that talks about how a man leaves his father and his mother and leaves their house and joins and is cleave joins his wife, cleaves to his wife, and it says the two flesh become one. So when a man consummates his marriage with his wife, literally in God's eyes, they're not two separate people. I have a wife named Carissa. In God's eyes, it's not John and Carissa. The two literally become one flesh, the Bible says. And so this is what's crazy. <coughs> Excuse me. It says our flesh, or I'm sorry, our spirit joins with his spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I want you to see this again. God sees you like he sees Jesus. You are joined with Christ. When God looks at you, there is no separation between, well, here's Jesus over here on the left, and then here's John over here on the right. We're two separate. That Again, we don't see ourselves that way. That We have been joined with Christ. As far as, as God is concerned, we are one. We are one with Christ. Here's some more scriptures to back that up. Look at this, Galatians 3, 27. It says this, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. You think about a clothes, you wear clothes on top of your body, right? You wear a shirt, you put a shirt on, it covers your body. You've put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So that means, again, when God looks at you, he sees you through the filter of Jesus. You've put on Christ. So when Christ, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your nakedness. He doesn't see like what we what I mean nakedness, like the things that, that the devil tries to make us feel ashamed and, and condemnation, all those things. God doesn't see that. He sees what's covering you, which is Christ. He literally sees Christ when he sees you. Ephesians 2, 6. Here's another scripture. It says, for, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him, Jesus, in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Here's the language the Bible uses in the three scriptures I just read. We are joined with Christ. We have put on Christ. We are seated with Christ. So here's the revelation I want you to get right now. The in the spirit, you cannot tell where Jesus stops and you start. You've got to learn right now that when you got saved, you weren't just responding to some little altar call. You weren't just raising your hand and repeating a prayer and, and you go on about your life. That The purpose of salvation is, is the Bible says you literally become a brand new creation. When you put your faith in Christ, it is no longer you that live, but Christ that lives through you. His spirit, the minute that you make that decision, his spirit joins with your spirit. You put him on like putting on new clothes. You're seated in him. You're ruling with him. You're reigning with him. You're joined with him. That this is the greater reality this is why it's so important that you get this, that your old past is not just covered up. It is dead. It is gone. And in God's eyes, you are a brand new creation. 
That'll help you so much because again, the devil will disqualify you and disqualify you and disqualify you and make you tell you every lie he can to make you feel inadequate. But we've got to get past the point that it is not, I'm not standing alone anymore. I'm not standing alone anymore. That I am literally a brand new creation and I am one with God. So you know why Jesus said we can speak to demons, we can speak to devils, we can speak to mountains, and the mountain will move when we speak to it? Because in the same way, in the Spirit, how God sees us, when the devil sees us in the Spirit, the devil cannot tell where Jesus stops and where we start. The reason that the devil, the the Scriptures tells us that Satan and every demon responds to the sound of our voice is because when we speak, They literally, it's Jesus speaking to them. When we tell them to move, it's literally Jesus telling them to move. When we speak to the mountain, literally it is like Jesus speaking to the mountain as Christ is. So are we. We're joined with him. We're seated with him. We're clothed in Christ. We are one with God. We don't see ourselves that way. This is so important. I'm telling you, if a drug addict, that struggled with addiction, understood this reality when coming out of their addiction, everything would change. Man, we we just, I'm just struggling with this sin. I'm just struggling with this attack that's coming against me. And we just live constantly defeated. It is impossible to live defeated when you see yourself through the lens of what scripture says you are now because you're joined with Christ. It's just impossible. You know, I want to get to this last point, how to have answers to your prayers, keys to that, keys to life, keys to our faith. Here's my second point. If you're taking notes, write this down. Live in the victory of Christ. This will be easier for Tanner to to talk about because he preached about this last week, but I want to look at David real quick. Quick backstory, David was anointed. And and 1 Samuel chapter 16, it's important for you to know that because it it brings so much light into 1 Samuel 17, what unfolds there. So David, we all know the story, David and Goliath. David's this little shepherd boy. Uh, He's not a warrior. He's not trained. He, He doesn't have all this background. The Bible does say that David did defeat lions and bears and, and God obviously had his hand on David's life. But as far as being like some skilled warrior and the art of battle, you know, he wasn't, he was a kid that everybody that looked at David like disqualified him. They said, you're a kid. You're going to go out there. The first thing Goliath said was, you know, he was confident that he was going to kill this little kid because Goliath was this massive giant. But yet David He understood something, and I want to show you 1 Samuel 17, 46 through 47. This is how we need to face trials in our life. This is how we need to face mountains in our life. This is how we need to face sickness and disease and poverty, like Tanner mentioned. Everything that comes against us, this is how we need to speak and the position that we need to stand on. And I'm going to, I want to help bring some light on, on. Why David had confidence to say what he says, 1 Samuel 17, 46. David steps out in front of Goliath, and this is what he says. He says, today the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds 
and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord has rescued his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. Here's a question. How was David so confident to say that to Goliath? How was David being a little bitty shepherd boy, standing up against this giant that everybody else, else was afraid of? Everybody else said it's impossible. Everybody else said there's no way. Everybody else tried to discourage him. How was he able to stand there and confidently say, I will not be touched. I will not be killed. I will not be moved. How did he have that confidence? Because in 1 Samuel 16, he was anointed by God. You got to understand, David understood what the anointing meant. And here's the crazy thing, too. In the Old Testament, the anoint, the, when they would pour oil over somebody's head is what they did to anoint David. That was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. What happened in Acts chapter 2? The Bible says, I will pour out my spirit in these last days. I will pour out my spirit in the same way the anointing that we see poured over David. I will pour out my spirit on all sons and daughters. What does the scripture say that we just read in Romans chapter 8? That we have been adopted. We are now sons and daughters. David was able to speak to Goliath and say that because he knew that he was anointed and whatever God has anointed, there is no demon, there's no giant, there's no mountain, there's no obstacle that can come against us and have victory because we have all authority over the power of the enemy. In Jesus' name. I want to tell you all this. I want to make a shift and whoever is going to listen to this podcast, I want something to shift in your heart. Tanner, I'd love. Do you have anything to add to that, man? Yeah, man. I, I, I would love to. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm receiving something from the Lord. So, you know, and I, I don't want to take away from what He's wanting to do. Uh, guys, if you're listening, I just want you to really evaluate your life and your situation that you're in right now, and I want you to understand that the same way that David spoke to Goliath, that was an example for how we are to speak to sickness, Amen. for how we are to speak, speak to poverty, for how we are to speak to an ag, ag, for inadequacy, to how we are to speak to our enemies. God didn't put, David didn't say what David said to be poetic or to be cliche or to, or, or, or to, or to, or to just say something that he, somebody would be able to write on their Twitter later on. David said what he said to set the table and to set an example for what we're supposed to say and proclaim to our enemies. Some of you in your, in, <laughs> that are listening to this podcast, you have cancer. And it's time for you to say, and that cancer has been walking back and forth in that ravine telling you, taunting you, telling you that you have got two weeks to live. But in Jesus' name, I want you to reclaim authority over the uh, over the over the situation right now and Jesus Amen. speak to that cancer cancer you have no longer dominion over my life satan we just bind you up and we crush you and we destroy every single component of your being off of my life right now no longer god has planted a david within you and let me tell you something an even greater god has planted jesus within you and whatever you curse on this earth will be cursed in heaven amen
And I'm telling you, if you will just take heed to the words that David is speaking to Goliath, you might just see some awesome things take place in your life. Everybody wants to be a dragon slayer. Everybody wants to be a, I said dragon slayer. Everybody wants to be a giant slayer, but nobody wants to be faithful before it comes time to slay the giant. See, David had to be anointed. If David was never anointed, Goliath cuts his head off and enslaves the Israelite people. But because David was anointed and faithful with the, or because David was faithful with the little things, God had placed something, an anointing so strong over his life that he understood the concept, just like the apostle Paul did when the snake bit him in the wilderness, that nothing is going to happen to me until it is my time. Amen. And I want to speak a word over you. It's not your time. That's right. We speak to that sickness. We speak to that poverty and say in Jesus name. And I don't say, don't say that cliche in Jesus name. You must go. And I just want to speak that into your life. God, I just pray right now that you would just give the courage to the believer that needs this message. Lord, we know that we're not supposed to speak to you and ask for your permission, but God, I pray that you would instill the the discipline within the, the person listening to this podcast right now that is bedridden, God, that has cancer, that they would understand that they don't, they could literally, the word of God says that everybody knows this scripture, that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could speak to this mountain, it must move. Amen. And in Jesus' name, that mountain must move in their life right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just like Tanner said, just say that for first, receive what was just spoken and stand in faith, but to carry this out, Because again, everything that comes against you, the Bible says Jesus laid a pattern. You can cast a demon out. You can cast sickness out. But look, Satan doesn't just say, oops, hands off. You know, I guess I just don't get to touch this guy for the rest of his life. Satan has an assignment against you and he will come back. But you have to grow in your faith to learn how to fight the giant. And like Tanner said, just take the first line that David said. Speak to that mountain out of your mouth. In Jesus' name, what did we say? Speak to that mountain like you are speaking as Jesus himself and say, today the Lord will conquer you. I will kill you and cut off your head. Mm. Cancer, today the Lord conquered. Not tomorrow, not next month, not next week, not next year. Not I'm going to just live with this and one day I'll get better. Today it ends. Today the Lord will conquer you. I cut off, I will kill you and cut off your head. Amen. Speak that with the authority of Christ. This is the last thing that I just want to help. I want to instill in some believers. I hope that your faith is being built as you understand authority, as you understand who you are in Christ uh, through these scriptures that we've brought. But here's the last thing that I want to look at with David. David wasn't only a giant killer. He was a giant hunter. Come on. There's a difference between being just a giant killer and a giant hunter. See, but you have to become a giant killer first before you can become a giant hunter. And that's where Christians need to get is that so many people don't even have the faith to win the battles that come against them. And that's okay. But look, you have to grow and have the absolute certainty. Like Tanner said, the devil's not taking me out. The devil's not taking my family out. He can't have my wife. He can't have my kids. He can't have my ministry. He can't have uh, what God has put me on the earth to do. You have to learn to have victory over 
the trials, over the storms, over the mountains, over the giants that you face in your life. That's step one. And I would love to see Christians rise to that point, but I want to take it in that a step further. David didn't only understand what it meant to just have victory when something came to him. He went after the giant in the land. I want to see Christians rise up and not only have the confidence that we can have victory when we're faced with something, but we start attacking the demonic principalities, the demonic giants that are in our country right now. Lord, I'm not only going to have faith that I can pay my bills, I'm going to go the next step further and I'm going to attack the demon of, of abortion in our country. I'm not just going to sit back and stay in my lane. And that's most Christians mindset is, man, I just, I just want to stay right here. I don't want to, I just, we get so consumed in our little lane and our little life and, and just trying to make it through. And God wants you to go so much further past that, that we step outside ourselves and we start taking ownership over the communities and the country that we live in. What if churches started rising up and saying, we are going after the demon of sickness in our community. We're going after it. We're not sitting back and and just thinking about us and how to build our little services and make our church so much better and, and more attendance and all that. Our mission is we are going after the giants in the land. What are the giants in the land? What community do you live in? I can tell you in our community, addiction is a giant in our land. Sickness and disease is a giant in our land. Probably 90% of the kids in our youth group, you know, take medication for ADHD. That's not normal. That's not a just a coincidence thing. That is a demonic principality. God wants Christians that rise up and grow in their faith that we're not only giant killers, we're giant hunters. We start identifying the strongholds that Satan has over our, our communities, over our people. And we say, Satan, you, you know, I'm coming for you. I don't just believe that that I can beat you when you come to me. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after. Uh, I'm coming after poverty. I'm coming after addiction. I'm coming after sickness and disease. I'm coming after the spirit of religion. I'm coming after the this this the spirit of just uh, impurity and and uh, perversion and all of those things. We are coming after them. We're not going to sit back. That's what the church wants to do: is sit back and be complacent. You know, as long as we got numbers coming, we're fine with people having abortions in our country. As long as we got the attendance coming, we're fine if, if you know, publicizing and making it common for two men or two women to be kissing on the commercial that we watch when we're flipping through the TV. We need Christians to rise up and start attacking the giants in the land that have faith to go after the giants and not just sit back uh, and wait. And, and try and stay in their own personal lanes. And I hope that you receive that. There's so much more than I think even I'm communicating, but I believe the Holy Spirit will, will plant that seed in your heart and, and begin to even teach you further on the things that we're talking about today. I want to pray one last time and we're wrapped up here tonight. I hope that this is, there's a lot of good seed in this. You may need to go back and listen to this thing once or twice or three times. We were just and, and double check scripture. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, that, that, you know, every pastor says that. You don't believe me? Don't take my no. But for real, absolutely, for real. Check everything that we say in scripture because I once 
looked at the doctrine that this that we just preached and thought it was bogus. But can I tell you, God says in everything, test him. Absolutely. Test and I did. And I, and, and I don't want to lead anybody astray, but there's a scripture that talks about if what you test is correct, then it will prosper. And if it's not, then it won't. Right. So over time, I, I just encourage you guys to test this. If you're on the border and you're saying, man, I don't really know about this, I encourage you guys, test it. Give it two months. Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing, too. This whole thing is not when we're right and we want other people to agree. And this is love. Man, I can say that me and Tanner, the whole point of this is we love you. We want the best for your life. And I'm telling you, I am so sick and tired. Man, you need to stop. You may letting the devil kick your life around and rule and reign and eat your lunch and take your lunch money. I mean, that's what it's like. It's like being a full grown 25 year old man and letting some six year old kid come in there and, you know, threaten you and to threaten to put you in a in an arm bar and take your lunch money. That's the reality. And we back up. Oh my God, no, the devil. Like we just we we allow ourselves to be subject to so much. And I'm so, so sick and tired of of seeing Christians, believers, live defeated lives. When if we could just understand what we've been given, the authority, the power, who we are in Christ. Man, it's just, it would be so easy to speak to that demon when we picture ourselves seated on the throne with Christ right now. Speak to that demon and say, leave. I don't got to shout. I don't got to scream at you. I don't have to manipulate the situation. Why? I'm in authority. When I say go, you go because I am in Christ and he has given me all authority over all the power of the devil. I want to pray this prayer over you. You know, first and foremost, we I want to give you an opportunity uh, to put your life, to, to put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight. If you're listening to this and you're not sure, telling you none of this works until you put your faith in Christ. That is the absolute first step. All these realities we're talking about, the authority and, and God sees you as he sees Jesus. You can't, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't count if you're not a believer. If you are not a believer and you are not walking like one with Christ, abiding in him, doing the things that these signs will follow those who believe, being what the Bible calls a believer, these things don't apply. And again, that's not condemnation. That's not uh, speaking against anybody. I'm trying to help you and tell you your step one is putting your faith in Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. And again, I don't want you to just repeat some prayer. I want you to take everything that we just said tonight and, and, and take that into account and say, you know what? I want to die to me. I want to become a new creation. I'm going to live in the reality that tonight I'm making the decision to confess with my mouth is what the Bible says and believe in my heart that Jesus died and he was he, he died for my sins. He was buried and he rose again. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, is what the scripture says. I'm going to do that, but I'm not just going to say the prayer and do the magical spiritual dance. I am going to make a conscious decision that tonight, from this point forward, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me. I am in him. He is in me. We are one. We are together. And from this night forward, I'm living in that reality. If that's you, 
I just, I just want to say welcome to the family. All it takes is that simple confession. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Repent of your sin. I've heard it said like this. The only sin that's forgiven is repented of sin. You know, people, people try to, to have salvation, but we completely negate the fundamental thing. Repent of sin. You got to die to that old person and say, no more. I'm not doing these things anymore. I am to be as Christ is, so am I in this world. Christ wasn't a sinner. Christ didn't watch pornography. Christ didn't sleep with his boyfriend or girlfriend. Jesus was holy. And he said, be holy because I'm holy. Be holy as your father in heaven is holy. I want you to, to take what we're saying to heart. Put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight. Step into these realities. Step into authority. Step into power. And everything will change in your life. Father, I thank you for everybody listening to this. Again, Lord, I I pray right now, not at the sound of my voice, but let believers rise up and at the sound of their voice, they will speak to the mountains in their lives and they will move. Thank you, Father, for that right now, for that faith being released in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let everyone receive it. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. God bless you for tuning in and uh, super thankful that you took the time to listen to this. And I promise you, God will uh, God will use this word to bless your life. His word never returns void. And so be blessed. Uh, We love you. And we're looking forward to hearing your testimony.